Hallelujah. All right. Exodus, Exodus 16 this morning. Exodus 16 and in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2. Exodus 16, Philippians chapter 2. Now the subject matter today is a, a subject literally throughout the Bible and it will be a vital subject, as they say today, applicable uh, life subject until everything's made new and everybody's fixed. And some people will only get fixed by having to be put under judgment. This is sad, okay? And they'll have to go face separation from the Lord and in hell forever. For us, we'll get fixed when we get out of this mortal body and get a new body and we're a completely new creature. In the meantime, uh, we are just uh, Air Force MMB in Christ. He's a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But you're not a new creation yet, as some of your new versions try to tell you. Now, with that in mind, then we're going to look at Exodus and we're going to look in the New Testament at a couple things. So let's do this. Let's, let's look at the New Testament statement for us. And you'll know right away that where this is mostly headed, okay? Philippians chapter 2. Now keep in mind in the New Testament that when Paul's writing, he is writing all of this to us for the time called the church age, which is about... 2,000 years. It's about two days. Jesus used the term about several times in quantifying and qualifying time. So when we come to this as believers, what we're looking at is something that is for us. It is to us. And there are so many things in which God gave us illustrations in the Old Testament so that we would understand the New Testament. Now, in your English Bible, your King James Bible, uh, you know, I got a little note recently, an uh, email or a note, some kind of thing, comment saying that, you know, uh, how ridiculous to believe in archaic and all that. And I was like, you know, here's the funniest thing about it. The least archaic of all books in English is your King James Bible. And the least obscure is that. Why, when you go to read these other versions, and I'm not going to belabor this much, but I don't need to because almost anybody listening uh, at this point is, and any of you all also, you know, you're Bible believers for the most part. So when we come to this, this is amazing how God put the wording in. Now in Philippians chapter two, you know, you always want to keep in mind context. And so the context of this thing is talking about in verse 1, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Now, there's a lot of ways in which people can be of one mind. Uh, I've seen people agree on things who disagreed on everything else, but if they could find something they were for or someone they were against, they could agree at least on that. So he clarifies it in verse three. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now that is not putting yourself down. That is esteeming somebody up. 
So it's not that Christians go around with this so-called low self-esteem. It's that we esteem others better. We hold others. We lift them up. And so he gives commands, verse 4 and 5. Look, not every man on his own things, every man on the, also on the things of others. And then <clears throat> let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. Okay. Now, I want to pick it up in verse 14 to 16 for the sake of both time and energy for everyone. Look with me now at verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that... So when you find a that in your Bible, I, I use a highlighter a lot. Uh, my hand's not as steady as it always was, and I might get careless underlining. Used to carry a little ruler all the time, you know, and underline it, but a highlighter works great. Just make sure it doesn't bleed. But you ought to highlight the word that <laughs> when you're reading your Bible and, and you come across things that are statements. See, it says, do all things without murmurings and disputings colon. So the sentence goes on that. So there's a reason for us to live by the command. And these are commands, basically. Once, when it says do all things, that's a commandment. Whether you like it or not, it's a commandment. And honestly, there's a lot of things we ought to do because they're commandments. Now, that's not legalism. See, it's not uh, you got to be just like everybody else, but there's some ways in which Christians should all be like each other. And that is we should all be like each other when we are doing all things without murmurings and disputings. And that's going to get a little more personal here in a minute. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. May I say this? Do not get yourself tangled up mentally and emotionally and all that with the enemy or people who don't know God or against God saying stuff about you or resisting you. That's He's talking about here, you ought to be blameless as far as God's concerned. Now listen, and he cares how we treat others. Harmless, sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. That's a people. That's not nationality as in your geopolitical, you know, citizenship and passport. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine, now look, as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now, keep in mind that Paul's life was spent primarily reaching Christians, helping believers. People would get saved, but then he would ground them. And many times he went and he grounded people that he had not led to Christ. Okay, so it's really important. It's very important. So notice that in the context, we have a full thought it's one sentence, all three verses. Put a marker there. Come over to Exodus 15. We'll spend a little bit of time here in, in Exodus. Now, keep in mind that these things in the Bible, and remember that, that the Apostle Paul gave us some insight into the Old Testament, and he didn't just you know say, look, it, it was there now. Don't worry about it. For example, in 1 Corinthians 10, he refers us, and I'm just going to read this to you real quick. <coughs> he said, in verse 8, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000, 23,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted were destroyed of serpents. We'll mention that. Verse 10, neither murmur ye if some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So this thing of murmuring and disputing is something that is 
part and parcel of human nature, and God warns us about it. And he basically commands us, don't do it. Over in Jude 16, he talked about at the end time and executing judgment. He said, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, etc., etc. Now, you know <laughs> that we're headed with this. In Acts 6, what they do, they murmured when, the, when they felt like some of the widows were being better treated. So we're going to preach to you on do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's a tough one. This is not something you get a whole lot of amens about. For example, now murmuring is, it comes from discontentment. Uh, murmuring is defined as a half-suppressed complaint or to grumble or to complain. Disputing is to just contend in an argument, to debate, to strive, to attempt to prove or disprove, okay? So he said, do all things. Now, now, would you mark that word all with your highlighter there in Philippians 2? Keep a little ribbon there or something. All things. How many things? All things. That is a tall order. Praise the Lord. So let's start. Let's start in Exodus chapter 15. And we're going to read a few verses. We're going to lay a little context. We're going to try not to belabor it for the sake of, of, of you right here. But, but, but look. As you're flipping through your Bible, even as we're doing this, this helps you get an idea of how this Bible is so applicable to your daily life before God. Not just how to make money, not just how to achieve something in your business or your job or your hobbies. No, it's about living before God. And our interaction with each other is supposed to be awe. This is in the eyes of God. So Exodus 15. Now in Exodus 15, they've come out of Egypt. And in Exodus 15, verse 1, that then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And they sing about God. Okay? And the song goes down through verse 19. And then in verse 20 and 21 and 22, Miriam does her thing. Now, verse 23. Well, let's read verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Remember three days? This is what he told Pharaoh. He said, we must go three days journey and offer. So three was this testing number in a way. Now, we know 40 is a number of probation and testing, but three was the key to being far enough out there that they were going to have to trust God. So in verse 23, when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. So there are three days out there, and they found no water. Now understand something. They couldn't go off to the store and buy bottles of water. There were no fountains or springs that they knew of to go get water from. They're in what the Bible calls wilderness, like a desert type area. Well, when they came to Merah, now I don't know how, what, how thirsty you've ever been, but if you've ever been truly thirsty, I, I mean, you'll know you're thirsty when water is the most desirable thing you can think of. Cool water even more. But I've been in situations uh, in isolated places where just a really good drink of water was one of the most heavenly things you could get hold of. 
And so they found no water, hundreds of thousands of people. And when they came to Merah, they found water, but they could not drink of the waters of Merah for they were bitter. There was something wrong with them. It wasn't just the taste. There was something wrong with it. Therefore, the name of it was called Merah, which is bitterness. And the people, would you mark this with your highlighter, murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and ordinance, and there he proved them. Mark that, he proved them. And he said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. So there was something wrong with the water, and God took care of it. Now, <clears throat> chapter 16. And they took their journey from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month, after their departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. By the way, just so you get a picture, okay, where this starts, the Bible says in Psalm 106, 25, mark it down there, they murmured where? In their tents. You know where some of the worst murmuring, disputing, the complaining, the attitude comes from? It comes at home. It comes one-to-one. -one. It comes at sitting there having your cup of coffee. It comes when people think, when in their minds, it's just them. But there's more to it than that. They murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Really? Really? When we sat by the flesh pots, when we bred to the full, that's a lie. They didn't get to sit anywhere. They were on their feet working if it was daytime. And they had, had double duty when Pharaoh got mad at them. For you brought us forth in this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, would you mark this down? Would you write in the margin there? I've got written in some of my copies. Would you write in there Esau? Do you remember Esau came in from the field? And he said, give me that pottage. Yes, you can have my birthright. I'm going to die. He wasn't dying. He ever said, I'm just... I'm." I'm, I'm, hung, I'm going to die of hunger. I'm hungered to death. I'm so hungry I could die. No, we're not most of the time. Then saith the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate. So he gives them manna. Verse 8. This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your, what? Market murmurings. Which he, have, which he murmur against who? Well, they thought they were murmuring against Moses and Aaron. He said, which he murmur against him, and what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying, Say unto all the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. It came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness. Behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. So he gives them manna. 
Now, if you go on and read some of these other passages, what you come to find is when something happens, they, let's turn the page, chapter 17. After all the children, all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. After their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide. Uh, excuse me? Oh, you haven't learned your lesson? Look at verse 3. The people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured. Now, I want to talk to you a bit about this murmuring thing. Keep your Bible open right there. You see, it starts, as it says in Psalm 106.25, in the tents. It was just talk, talk, talk. Now, I want you to understand something. Later, later in Psalm 106, it says that the second time they murmured and he hit the rock at when he was only supposed to speak to it, it did not go well with Moses. So your Bible lets you know that Moses was held accountable and he did not get to go in to the promised land at that point, but that the people, the Lord took note that the people pushed him so hard. Murmuring can really tear things up, and we'll talk about that. Notice here that they, you say, well, they murmured and God did it. That's, that's very true. That's very true. But if you'll follow the fact that once they got used to murmuring and once they got in the habit of it, it cost them dearly at times. And that's the thing that you want to mark down. You ought to just write down number 16. You ought to look this kind of stuff up for yourself. And you can, it's number 16, starting around verse 11 to the almost the end of the chapter, verse 41. Because in number 16, when Korah, Dathan, and Byram get judged, in verse 41, but on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured, against Moses and Aaron saying, ye have killed the people of the Lord. No, God did. God did. So this thing of murmuring is a bad thing. Now in Philippians 2, just introduction here for a minute, let, write this down, or at least note it. Note the prohibition of murmuring and disputing. All, do all things without. Notice the purpose. Philippians 2.15, that ye may be harmless and blameless, you know, lights in the world. Notice that it's the proof. When you continue to read that chapter, you get down to verse 16, verse 23. It's the proof of a walking Christian. Notice the place. It's in this life, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. The place that God uses to, to, to purpose and bring about his purpose in our life is in the midst of the time where to murmur, to complain would be normal. Here in the United States, people are murmuring 24 hours a day. You cannot access any kind of news or any kind of stuff and somebody's murmuring. The right and the left, the left are murmuring, the right are murmuring. And you know what I hear all the time? Christians are murmuring. And it's, it's not confined just to things like, which it, it's sad that it's not, but it's not confined to things like politics. People have gone crazy over sport in this world we live in. And they will murmur and murmur and murmur about it. Notice the preservation of these words. So here we are, 
2,000 years into the church age, <laughs> here we are in English, God gives us a direct correlation between New Testament conduct and Old Testament example, and he preserves these words, murmurings, chiding, disputing. And notice the preacher who wrote them in Philippians 2. If anyone had a, had a, you know, kind of a right to murmur at times, to just do a little bit of that soldierly complaining, it was Paul. So let's look at some lessons here and some applications. These are things that have helped me through the years. Number one, notice that a hair trigger turns into murmuring and disputing. You say, well, what do you mean? Look how quickly, how quickly these people turn to murmuring, just like that. And then notice that even after they learn their lesson, they keep on doing it. Now, they're just weeks. In chapter 16 and verse 15 here in Exodus, look down the page there, they're just weeks into this thing. <clears throat> they're, not, they're not suffering. How easy is it for you to murmur? What would, does it take for you to have that little complaint in, the, in your heart and mind, that little uh, anxiousness, that little discontentedness, that half suppressed, that, that suppressed complaint, that grumbling, complaining from discontentment? I am amazed. I am amazed at how easy it is for people to dispute over stuff, over things that, listen, you've got people who have shot each other over a ball game. But you know where it starts? It starts down in the center of the heart. In the early days of your life, in the early days of your Christianity, in the early day of your day, the early hours of your day, they have a, an effect on you. If you develop a hair trigger of discontent, it'll turn to murmuring and disputing every time. Now the habit doesn't go away, as in the hair trigger being there, we have to do something about it, but let's just slow. How quick are you to complain? A half-spoken half complaint in your heart. I think one of the great exercises to observe what's happening in the world today is get around places where people have to, say, wait in line or sit in line in their car or anything that might, they might construe as an inconvenience. The world has enthroned self even some of the services that the world conducts and gives has enthroned self, you know, drive through. Okay, fine. Amen. But my goodness, what are you expecting? And you know, you know, the further you get away from the home where it takes some time to fix things. Say, so, well, nowadays we got the microwave and we got this and that. I know, and I didn't say don't use it. But have you ever thought that just the whole process that God set up for how things happen was there to keep us connected to him. I mean, when he put Adam and Eve in the garden under innocency, before they ever fell, there was no weeds yet. You know, said when man sinned, the garden of Eden became the garden of Eden. Before that ever happened, before there was any of that, he gave man something to do every day. And he fellowship with him every day. And honestly, Genesis chapter 3 is kind of a form of murmuring and disputing. God heard to try that tree. 
So the hair trigger turns to murmuring. So just you and you, you and God, or you and the person closest to you who can tell you the truth without you turning around and hating them. You know, you've really got a friend when you will let them speak to you and they will carefully speak to you. That's when you've got a friend. And so understand that there's a hair trigger in human nature. Where does it come from? It comes from a discontentedness of whatever. It might be the inconvenience of something. People are so conditioned to have it right now. And if they feel like it, they want it. People are, have become rude. I talk about going in line. All you got to do is test yourself when you got to wait in line a few minutes. I mean, what a terrible thing. You can run down to the store, to the discount store or whatever, and it's, you got to wait or you got to sit in traffic. Or uh, nowadays, right now, this time of year, you know, different places, there's detours and there's road works. And, you know, there's people right now that are living uh, in, in places where severe, like hurricanes have hit and storms have hit and fires have hit. Why, why listen, they've got some real problems. And the average person is going to complain about waiting in line. You know what that is? That's a self-centeredness. And that hair trigger, if you're not careful, I know homes of Christians and people outside the home think, oh, what great Christians. But they're complainers and they're murmurers. And it becomes such a habit that as soon as you cross them or as soon as something is delayed for them, they become a murmurer. All right, secondly, let's talk about the harmful, contagious nature of murmuring. It is a toxin. It, here in chapter 16, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured, verse 2. Do you understand that the whole, it spreads, it spreads and has no boundaries. I mean, coming through the so-called pandemic and all that kind of stuff and, and the COVID, whether you like it or not, for some of us, it was very real. <clears throat> I, was, I was hitting on all cylinders and it knocked a couple of mine out for a while, maybe one of them for, for permanently. I don't know. But I can tell you this. This is worse than any, any contagious pandemic and any virus. You say, well, whoa, 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 preacher, it got them the manna. Well, you need to look on. You know, for example, that murmuring, and if you go over to Numbers 14 sometime, uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to do a whole detour. But in Numbers 14, the problem is, that they went in, they saw all the fruit, the 12 spies. They came back and all they could report on, 10 of them could report on, was the giants. And then after they got presenting their negativity, <clears throat> in chapter 14 of Numbers, all the congregation lift up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness. You know when you'll get a lot of murmuring going? When God's dealing with you. When God's getting you out of your comfort zone and requiring faith. Oh my goodness, I have seen people within the home. And, and listen, it, it can be... The wife could be the husband, the mother, the daddy, the kids. But let me say this to you, mother and children. When God leads and everybody's okay with it, 
until there's trouble, until there's a test, and then y'all start murmuring and grumbling, complaining under your breath. And I, I know about this stuff. Listen, I've said before, I come home one time with a note. I was living with my grandmother at the time. Folks were racing out of town with the horses, and I come home from school, and I had one of those sealed notes. I had thought about trying to do this is years ago. Okay, I'm 67, so there, we didn't have the same forensics we have now. <laughs> but I thought about steaming it open and reading it, and I was like, I give up. I'll just do it. And it was a note from my teacher and said, Michael is sitting down on the outside, but he's standing up on the inside. And you need to talk to him about his murmuring, his grumbling under his breath. And you know, I taught me a lesson. Actually, I, she applied the the board of instruction to the seat of my learning, and I was okay after that. I was much better. But I'm going to tell you, it's a harmful thing. See, I've seen people in situations that were difficult, and they stayed positive about it and and had faith in God and were, were didn't murmur and complain, and it helped everyone else. But I've I've seen the harmful, contagious, toxic nature of murmuring and disputing. And it will spread much, much faster than anything positive. And so understand that when you allow, listen, that hair trigger can then turn into the harmful, contagious nature of these toxic things called murmurings and disputings. And he said, do all things without it. But why? Well, in verse 9 of chapter 16, Moses spake unto Aaron, say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. So the third thing is this. The first one is hair trigger. You, you get in the habit of having that hair trigger and you let it go, and then you add in there the, the harmful, contagious, toxic nature, and then you understand, oops, God said, you ever heard somebody say, I heard that? When you're a kid, you ever go away, you know, kind of murmuring under your breath or saying something that I heard that. Somebody does it at work and you go, I heard that. I walked into to a, a, the office one time and come out from doing uh, operations management and stuff and walked in there and they didn't hear me come down the hallway, didn't hear the door open, which they usually did. And they were yakking, 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 yakking. They were murmuring, a couple of my guys. And so what we did, I was never mean on hard on. In fact, I, uh, in contact with some of them to this day, years later, <laughs> I just said, uh, I heard that, and it scared the life out of them. Oh, man, we didn't mean it. I said, oh, you meant it, but we're going to make an adjustment here. And so you understand that the hearing of God is perfect. And the hearing of God penetrates through into your home, into your car. It penetrates into your heart where you are at, even if you're alone. You say, well, why don't we think of this? Because that hair trigger, that hair trigger, okay, it's, it's, like, it's like a terrorist attack. The hair trigger releases the harmful, contagious toxin. But God hears it. You say, well, God show mercy. He does. Someone says, well, look, they got manna out of it. They did. Not because they murmured. Because he warns them. He said, he hath heard your murmurings. And he's telling them. And verse 12, the Lord spake unto Moses saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children. 
He was not happy. He didn't like it. The Lord didn't. So God's mercy and God's grace should not be something you take advantage of. Now, let's talk about this hearing when it comes to leadership and authority. If you murmur about something as a son, as a daughter, as a wife, we'll say, uh, you men as an employee, as part of anything, leadership and authority, they may respond positively and try at first. But if you're not careful and you keep murmuring, just beware. Because the fourth thing that we find in the passage is a hardening of the heart and conscience. You see, at first, God gives meat and manna and water. But then they don't learn. And if we're not careful, we, never, we won't either because we don't deal with the hair trigger that releases the harmful, contagious toxin. We don't understand that it's in all of it's in the hearing of God. And so this hardening of heart and conscience begins. And you may get some things, but beware. In your human relationships, beware. Be careful. Be very, very careful. You may think, oh, well, this is how it works. Uh, ladies, I see things all the time, all the time. And it starts even when they, they're starting brainwash people when they're young. Well, this is how you get it. This is how you get it. And if you don't get it, you dump them. Oh, yeah, you might be married and stuff, but they're not. Well, I heard a, a famous professional a sportswoman say, uh, when my golf ball was obeying me better than my husband, listen to me better than my husband, that's when I knew it was time for it to be over with. Are, are you kidding me? Who would, who would even think like that? But you see, you got to beware of it. God judges them. And yet, if you look at this passage of scripture, if you read on down through there, God judges them. And yet, they attack the leaders. When you get over to Numbers, he listen, that, that passage I referred you to over in Numbers, and number 16 is where you have that brazen serpent. And God said, I'm going to judge you. And yet, what do they do? They attack the leaders. So children... If you don't get have or get all you want, you better be careful. Wives, men, be careful. You ministers, let me say this to you. Man, you talk about something that, that just, I just, I can't understand. Is more and more preachers and teachers, more and more pastors, evangelists, all, they treat people like the people are the problem, even when they're being sheep. And God said the best thing you could be in his eyes, is a sheep. He did not ask you to be eagles. So I want to mount up with eagles' wings. Fine, but he didn't ask you to be an eagle. You know that biker crap about the eagle soars alone? Okay, he does. But he tells us to be sheep. You preachers, us preachers, are we are to be shepherds. It is not a problem when people are sheep. You hear them, sheep, sheep, sheep. It's a good thing. Thank God they are that we as humans are like sheep when we're following God. So, well, they wander off or they do this. That's the only reason you have something to do, preacher man. That's the only reason. God didn't call you because you're so good at it. He called you to be a shepherd. Evangelists, 
Better be careful. Bible teaches, be careful. God didn't call you to only go around shearing. You can only shear them once a year. That's not what you're there for. I've seen many, many a pastor get hindered. I've seen many a congregation murmur more after they had the special speaker in. Because the special speaker did not ask himself, am I helping the shepherd with the way in which I'm ministering and what I'm ministering? Now, it's just, no, that, I just threw that in there. Beware. Beware of this hardening. So you understand this process? So here's what happens. They come out of Egypt. A miraculous deliverance. They crossed the Red Sea. Well, first little hiccup, they meant murmuring. And so God says, okay, okay, I'll, I'll give you water. Fine. I'll give you manna. Fine. But they became, it became such a habit. It became such a harmful, contagious, toxic thing. Every bit of it he heard. And gradually their hardened heart and conscience got worse. And that brings me to say the fifth thing. The hell that is generated and the heaven that is lost through murmuring. You can either offend God with your tongue or offer thanks. <laughs> In Psalm 106, when you get into that passage and you begin to read about that thing, it was so bad it even went ill with Moses who God had blessed and God had helped. They wore him down. Now listen, you and I can't use that as an excuse, leaders. We can't use that as an excuse, parents, husbands. It says in Psalm 106, verse 32, they angered him also at the waters of strife so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips, unadvisedly with his lips. So you understand something. He had to pay the price, but they pushed him and they pushed him and they pushed him. So there's a hell that is generated and a heaven that is lost through these matters. It says in Psalm 78, in the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart that he hears by asking me for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Well, he can. And he did. But you see, the hell that is generated... And the heaven that is lost by merely murmuring and disputing, by complaining and grumbling and being discontented. Now, this is really important. I see in my Bible here, and, and there's, there's many other cross-references, but I have learned in my Bible here that that tendency that we have, that hair trigger that's so easy to pull... I don't know if you ever shot firearms or anything, but <laughs> you get something with a hair trigger, it's dangerous. Now, you don't want a heavy pull, but you don't want a hair trigger. That hair trigger releases harmful, contagious toxins. And everything is done in the hearing of God, so it, 
it affects the 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 cumulative relationship with our Lord. And that hardening of heart and conscience then leads to a hell that is generated and a heaven that is lost. Through simply, are you ready? Murmurings and disputings, complainings, debatings, agitated in your mind. Well, listen, you can be disputing and not say anything to someone else just in your heart and minds. It says they murmured in their heart. You see, the problem is it starts within. That's where it begins. Now, I think that in Exodus 16, there's a reason God put some of this stuff in there. So look at Exodus 16 with me for a minute. And go back just above it in chapter 15 and look at this, verse 23, which we mentioned. When they came to Merah, they could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Merah. Now watch. What is it they're... They've been... They're worried about the basic necessities of life. So let me say this to you. It is not okay to murmur about the basic necessities of our lives. It is not okay. It is not okay with God to murmur. You say, well... Uh, they got they got help. They did. But Moses cried unto the Lord in verse 25. And the Lord showed him a tree. So watch. Watch this. It's not okay when the basics of life don't go your way. It's not okay to murmur and complain and dispute about food and finances and the economy and rules and laws. You see that hair trigger you've got that responds just just like the people out there in the news media want you to respond. And even on the right side, they want a response out of you. That hair trigger releases those harmful, contagious, toxic things. And the hearing of God is there. He hears it. But the hardening of your heart and conscience will get to where you can't even be thankful for some basic food. Why listen? If you have food at all, you should be thankful. I have literally been, and thankfully I have been, in situations where to get something to eat was a blessing because you weren't sure when you'd get it next. Because you, in, in these cases, we were isolated in places where you couldn't just get something. Couldn't even find something to kill and eat. So you see, if we're not careful, it has to taste just right. It has to be the right temperature. It has to be served up when I want it. You see, the basics of life can be the source of your murmurings and disputings because that's what theirs was. Look with me. So the people murmured, verse 24, against Moses. They didn't murmur about the climate and stuff. So instead, what happens? It's always the leader's fault. In the home, be careful. Children, wives, you men, be careful within your church. Be careful within your community. Now watch. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him. He didn't show the people. But here's why. A tree. The Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and ordinance, and there he proved them. He said in verse 26 at the end, I am the Lord that healeth thee. The healing is always 
at the cross. Now this is a message, this is a two-hour message all in itself, this last point, but it won't, not going to do that. But the healing is always at the cross. Mara's bitter waters needed a tree. Perfect type of the cross, because cursed is everyone, Galatians 3, that hangeth on a tree. You see, the healing is always at the cross. Now, you know why? Because the cross is where you and I exercise death to self. The cross, several things quickly. The cross humbles us while it lifts us up. <coughs> the cross humbles us. We, we kneel at the foot of the cross. It lifts us up because it lifts us up out of hell. But it humbles us. The cross holds our gaze because of the judgment that fell upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in Numbers, when you get over there and they murmur and the serpents, a poisonous snake come, the serpents, and he says, make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And if they will look, they will live. Look and live is our lifetime theme. And that's in your everyday life too. We are, we are to put on the shoes of the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ, the preparation of the gospel of peace. We are to die to self daily, as Paul said. We are to take up our cross daily, as Jesus said. Why? Because the healing is always at the cross. It humbles us while it lifts us up. It holds our gaze. It honors Jesus Christ. He becomes high and lifted up, and our eyes get off of the things that we're going to murmur and dispute about. Our finger goes off. Listen, if you ever handle firearms, they teach you, do not put your hand, your finger in the finger guard. Keep it outside it. That little, little time can keep you from doing something really wrong or bad or even mistaken. So when we get our eyes high and lifted up, it takes our hands all, our finger off the hair trigger. And when that happens, we now have time for the cross to work because the cross, number four, it heals from the inside out. When you apply the cross to your spirit, to your soul, to your heart, to your mind, it works from the inside out. This is the key to this whole thing, my friend. You see, there's a hair trigger inside of everybody. Some people's different things cause it. <clears throat> when you squeeze that trigger, that harmful, contagious toxin with that nature of negativity comes out, God hears it, and sometimes he'll try to, to help you a bit, but the hardening of the heart and conscience leads to a hell that is generated and a heaven that is lost. H have you noticed that that calmness and joy and peace can be lost in a second? when someone starts that murmuring and disputing. I don't think I'm perfect at it, but I'll tell you this, I cannot hardly abide or stand by, and I think it's God puts that in us once we learn this lesson. I don't want to hang around people who are just constantly that, and some people are actually very skillful. This, this harmful, contagious toxin, they spread it constantly, and people don't even know they're doing it. They don't even know they're being infected by it. But God hears. And if you're not careful, you get a hardened of heart and conscience. 
And that hell that is generated, that heaven that's lost, that peacefulness can go away in a matter of two thoughts. Yeah. But the healing, take this away with you. The healing is always at the cross. The healing in number 16 was that serpent lifted up at the cross. The healing here was a tree put into the waters of the bitterness of Marah. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Jesus, keep me near the cross, there a precious fountain. You see, it's at the cross. We must live across the first thought in the morning. Lord, this is not, I'm not going to die. I'm going to die to self. I'm not going to live for me. When Before you go to the store, have a word of prayer, Lord. And don't just say, Lord, help me. Say, Lord, I am, I am crucifying myself because... Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Now, there's all kinds of things. It's very personal, the things that bring about murmuring and disputing. But would you listen to it, the verse? Would you mark the verse? Would you turn over there and look at it? Do all things without murmuring and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labor in vain. You ought to witness, put out the tracks, preach the word, all that, but your life is what's supposed to shine. You know how that starts? Doing all things without murmurings and disputings. All things. Father, I pray you take this today and use it this morning. I pray, God, that you would expand it Take these few minutes we've taken and expand it and expound upon it. And Lord, help us to stay near the cross. Never get away from this. Lord, I pray to help homes who have already had the release of this harmful, toxic, contagious thing in their, in their homes, in their lives, in their churches. Help them to apply the cross and then maintain it. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.